What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, man. I've been here the whole time. You're the one that just that just showed up. Well, I mean, you know, I got to take a permanent vacation every now and again, which I guess makes it not really a permanent vacation, is it? Not really. I don't know. I'm just staying home, going through my toys in the attic. Mm, okay. I, uh, you know, really pumped about this interview. Uh, it is with Matt McAndrew, vocalist of Slaves, whose latest album, To Better Days, is out next Friday, as of when you're hearing this, August 7th. Uh, this was kind of an interesting one. Um, indirectly, I think we've talked to two-thirds of uh, Johnny Craig's old bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, like we talked about in the Kill Switch episode, we're just collecting them audio figurines, man. Yes, Actually, I was kind of looking forward to doing this one because Matt is an interesting uh, individual, not only, you know, stepping into an already established band uh, in Slaves, uh, but kind of coming in literally right as a tour is about to happen behind a new record. And now you're the new vocalist who had nothing to do with any of that. And people are probably going to be not too keen on you right out the gate. So a lot to prove uh, and big shoes to fill. Uh, that last record that Johnny Craig did with the band is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like stepping in as a new vocalist, literally the center point of the band is hard. Like you could swap bass players out until like the cows come home and nobody cares. You did. You could swap. You could swap. Yeah, you could swap. Uh, you could swap drummers out. Like it's a revolving door. You did. Um, I mean, granted, there's only like four drummers, right? Like in the entire world. Yes. Um, Dave Grohl. Yeah, yeah. Dave Grohl, Gene Hoagland. Yeah. I mean, there's just Mike you know, Yeah. There's four drummers, but uh, you know, you can, you, you can. You, <laughs> You can you can you can actually swap everybody out in a band except the vocalist. It'd be fine. Uh, so yeah, stepping in into lead vocal and like this isn't like this isn't like Zayo or something like that where like anybody could just come in and like imitate the voice. You know, Jimmy Ryan. Um, th- right. Well, exactly. Um, anybody can't just step up and emulate the voice. So like you you've got you've got a vocalist that is trying to, and you guys got into this in the interview a little bit, like, you know, not necessarily like copying the old vocalist, but, but doing something that the fans are going to get behind. And in a way it's still kind of proving yourself that like, not only can I perform the songs that you love and you're still going to love them, but when we record this new stuff, we're not going to go so far off of the, uh, off the beaten path that you're going to be alienated, which, uh, which I actually kind of, appreciated a little bit like it was kind of refreshing to hear somebody say that like that that they're they're still going to try to hold true to what the fans of the band would would be expecting normally what we get in these interviews is well i'm me and everything is about me and i am just the best and you know i'm you're gonna forget all about that other guy like you, you get so much of that and so it's kind of cool hearing somebody just be like yeah you know we wrote the record that we wanted to write for sure but it's not gonna like piss off fans of the band well i think the other thing too that gets a little bit interesting about this is does the band you know and i asked this but it's like does the band take a little bit more of a concerted effort to engage the singer in the writing process knowing that it's going to be the first example of this new iteration of a band yeah yeah i mean that's um it it, like with it being a reboot essentially um, i don't remember if you used the word reboot or not in the uh in the in the interview but like with it being essentially a reboot is it's really interesting how they're how they're handling all of this and um you know i don't know it seems it seems fresh yeah i I had seen the band uh, on the tour that they were on, one of the first that with uh, Matt, and I don't know. I, 
I had seen Slaves and I wasn't with Johnny Craig on a color morale tour, and I wasn't really a fan of it. Like Johnny just seemed like he was doing like vocal acrobatics the whole set, and I mean he does. That's what he does. He's got a great voice that has wide range. But I just felt like it was like a thing where it was like it would be akin to like a guitar player just fucking soloing over everything the entirety of a set, and you're just like, dude, get it? You can do all these things, but like just want to hear the fucking song and that's kind of how i felt when watching johnny is i was like i get it you can sing please just <laughs> like you don't have to be so extra right now <laughs> and <laughs> right seeing matt you know and I, I don't i wish i could remember how far into the tour we were at that point but it was a thing where i felt like matt was a little bit shy uh to me uh seemed like you know he was kind of at times stretching his vocal capabilities uh, to try to mimic so much of what Johnny was doing. And I know that's kind of what's expected of him, but I think it's something that we've seen someone like, you know, actually the last two guests we've had on, Jesse from Misery Signals and Jesse Leach from Kill Switch, that's something that they've kind of both learned to do is find their way through the other singer's material, make it their own while still doing the original version justice. And I, I'm kind of interested to see when Slaves gets back out on the road to see if maybe this record has allowed Matt to be more comfortable with who he is within the band to where when you see them live, it now is a lot more of what it is now because he's more comfortable in who he is and the role he has within the band and maybe not needing to be compared to Johnny at all times. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really hard um, because it's it's going to happen and it's just something that, like, for lack of a better term, you just kind of have to deal with. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Matt of Slaves, and we will talk to you on the flip side. Uh, so I'll get right into it because I don't know if you have anyone right after this. So, cool. Yeah, um, I, I, just, I just have somebody at two, so we have a good, a good bit of time. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. You're in California time. I was like two. It's like almost five. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this guy doesn't know anything. <laughs> uh, I just. Oh man, it's it's so hard. Uh, I'm sure being a touring musician, you have become very aware of time zones and so forth. That yeah. You probably never really thought you were going to have to be. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think I. Uh, I. I. I, I teach a lot of Skype lessons anyway, so just having having students all over, it's kind of forced me to be aware of it all the time. Well, I guess, uh, first things first, congratulations on the new album. I know not everyone's going to hear it for a little bit as of when we're recording this, but I know that fans have been clamoring for new music from you guys since basically you were introduced into the band. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, kind of a, a fun question since, you know, I, I've heard the, the album. What is one song that you're the most excited to see and hear people's reactions to? Um, that's a good question. I, I will, it's not, it's not a super straightforward question to me only because, um, sometimes the ones that I like the best, um, aren't maybe the ones that people like the best, or sometimes the ones that I don't like the best are the ones that people do like the best. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I would say as far as just what my favorites are, and by the way, I like all the songs on the record, but, um, you know, one of my favorites was. Um, talk to a friend that's out. But again, that was one that I figured maybe people wouldn't go crazy over. And now it's been our most 
successful song that's been released so far. So, um, yeah, you just, you just can never tell what people are going to like. Um, but, uh, I, the, the, the song we have coming out this week, um, at the time of this recording, like I do, I, that's another one I, I think people are going to like, but you never know. So we'll see, man. I, I, I'd rather just let, uh, just let the chips fall where they, where they may in terms of that, I guess. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, it's almost going to be a theme uh, this week with a lot of the interviews I've been doing or will be doing it, starting with you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a, a, the band reintroducing themselves to their fans. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're starting it off with you. You're the new vocalist. Slaves has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. This is basically a reintroduction to the band, but kind of almost like a rebirth of Slaves. Yeah. And do you do you feel that like does the band kind of feel that when they were making this record like it's like it's kind of a chance to kind of wipe the slate clean and kind of go who do we want slaves to be moving forward that's a good question you know i think i think the emphasis was probably more um aimed at trying to make a logical follow-up record to beautiful death i think that was a record that the band really liked and that the fan base really liked and um i think I think we were more focused on trying to um, win people over and and keep the current fan base. I, I think it's easier to say now that the songs have been coming out and that you know we've we've had so long to sit with the record that um, it's kind of easy to think in those terms and pivot. And I do think that we think of the current lineup as almost a a new band, and this is sort of like a pivot album, and we hope people will um, keep. Uh, following the band but yeah i think at the time of writing it like i even i even uh remember going 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 through and um listening to beautiful death and just marking um all of all of johnny's notes that he was singing um just to like make sure that i was um singing high enough to appease the naysayers you know what i mean like stupid (laughs) eddie shit like that but it was like it's like oh there's a there's a comment that says like i have no range so let me let me make sure i like What's like the standard? Okay, all right, I'll do some. I'll do some high C's. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, I think that's more where where our heads were. Um, instead of just like being like we're gonna go rogue and this is a new thing, I think we did feel a sense of uh, responsibility to um, keep uh, keep the fans engaged and um, and and. I, but I also think it just came really naturally. I mean, we wrote the record that we would have wanted to write anyways. I think the only the only benefit again for for me was sort of having a chip on my shoulder and knowing that I wanted to really prove myself in a way that I haven't on any other records. Typically I will write in terms vocally of like, okay, well, let me make sure that this is going to be super easy to do live and it's not that rangy, but all that went out the window. I was just like, I even like, I don't, I don't, I don't care if I'm shooting myself in the foot live here. Like I'm going to, I have to commit to record like all this stuff and then, you know, deal with it later. So, cause that's kind of like what everybody else does. Right. You know what I mean? Like everybody's singing all this crazy stuff on the record and then they're just like, shit, can I do this live? So, um, I'm just glad that, uh, that it's out there. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really proud of the album. And, um, specifically, I feel like it's a, it's a good, um, kind of calling card for, uh, like I, I got to do a lot of different vocals, you know? So. Absolutely. You know, something in talking to a lot of band people and up until a little bit before the interview, I wasn't sure exactly who I was going to talk to. So it almost is serendipitous that it's you. Um, because, you know, in talking to a lot of bands about their songwriting process, it's kind of become a surprise that, a lot of people don't actually write <laughs> with the singer in mind. Like, oh, what what are they going to do in here? It's almost like a right. challenge. Like, well, here's what we got done. I hope you can figure out something that's cool over this. I didn't right. really think of you when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. And kind of wondering, how involved were you in the songwriting demo process? Like, were you there kind of 
you know, sitting around listening to the music as it's being composed and arranged and kind of going like, hey, if you were to repeat this part, I think we could kind of come up with a cool vocal melody over that. Or, you know, how, how involved were you? That's a that's a really great question. Um, so basically um, how it went is we got there and the guys were super prolific and they were, you know, some days maybe banging out the at least the structure of like two songs and maybe three songs in a day. So before I knew it, we had, I don't know, I feel like that there was, you know, six or seven songs that I would then I would just leave the studio and go for a walk and I was listening to these um, instru- instrumentals on loop and just trying to play catch up and write to them. Um, I sort of started to kind of pull my own hair out doing that so then I did come back in the studio and um, like talk to a talk to a friend was one that um, uh, that that hook idea came like with sort of um, I was in the room and it was pretty fresh and I was like, Oh, you could like, I just started hump singing that over it. You know what I mean? And so it's definitely more fun to be involved in that, but yeah, just, you know, the guys had some riffs and I, and ideas like um, going into the process and you know, they, they're just able to work a lot quicker than, than I am personally like to not to come up with the melodies per se, but to write all the lyrics, you know what I mean? So um just in the fact that I was playing catch up, uh, there was there was a lot of it where I would just I was out in the parking lot or I'd walk down to this little lake and I'd just be trying to write lyrics. But um, there were some there were some moments where I was there. But you know it was funny by by the end of the record, um, I was like, all right guys, I'm out of I'm out of ideas. You need to like help me with some of these. So uh, uh, one example of that was um, cursed. We um, f- finished writing the uh, top line together as a band for anybody who doesn't know top line melody lyrics and and um and i had some ideas and i was like you guys gotta help me write these verses and i remember felipe i think saying like um damn these these verses are kind of like long maybe we could do like you know what i mean and i'm like yeah see exactly like where like, like <laughs> obviously like they have a good sense in terms of just um listening to arranging. music absorbing yeah and arranging it and thinking about it from a guitar standpoint but i'm like I'm like man this is going to be a long like, that's going to be a lot of like words or whatever so it's just it was just kind of funny to to have them on board and like be like no oh, they sound good and then like damn maybe we could do a half first you know so um and I, I guess i guess that answers your question but um yeah i mean i think i think we're we're all uh super involved in the writing process and, and you know i mean uh there there are a lot of bands that um, tend to lean more on like outside writers or pr- producer. Um, shout out to Jimmy. He he um, he brought like a, a a pretty a pretty solid demo of Heavier to to us, and that's how we started working with him. Uh, and then we just finished that as a band. Um, but when we got in the studio, he re- he really wanted to kind of hear what we could do um, on our own. So he he was uh, he also came up with a the chorus top line for Barry Alive because I was like I don't know what the hell to do with this thing. Um, and yeah, but anyway, proud of proud of the band for everybody writing and, and uh, doing their doing their stuff. You know, as you were kind of making the comment about you were going back and listening to the last record and kind of getting a feel for, I don't want to call it like the pocket vocally, but uh-huh. I mean, it kind of is what it sounds like you were saying. And this might be a stupid question, but uh-huh. did you feel if you did that, did you feel that you had the freedom to kind of explore whatever lyrical territory maybe you wanted to? Or did you feel that there needed to kind of be certain themes that people would expect from a Slaves record? Did you feel kind of confined by that maybe or more free to, to expand? Oh, interesting. Um it's something that I that I thought about. I mean, I got to know Beautiful Death pretty pretty well just from touring it, you know. Um, so right. I kind of I kind of knew um, what I thought that the fans would uh, respond to, but I don't think that that actually really had any bearing on what I was writing. I think um, honestly, uh, again, I was 
these these guys were coming up with great instrumentals and um they demanded a certain type of uh vocal to go with that you know whether it was to bring a certain level of intensity or melancholy or whatever so um i think i think that more than more than more than uh what the band had done in the past was just the tracks that were being created really kind of dictated um what i was writing on top of it and you know to be fair it's it's that's that's the same that's the same band right so it it, it, it would naturally have kind of a common common thread from record to record so kind of speaking to that and i don't necessarily want to get too personal uh go ahead impose but uh you know lyrically um i didn't get the lyrics but kind of picking out what i could hear from from the album itself listening to it a bunch it kind of seems like this is dealing with an end of an album or an end of a relationship, I should say. Um, you know, especially from like Wasted Youth, there was a line, uh, I think it's the, I don't know if it's the pre-chorus or the chorus line, but basically the, uh, we tied the knot, but you were tying a noose, uh, for example, even some of the imagery kind of used in Cursed. Uh, there's kind of seems to be this continuing theme of, of an ending of a relationship, with a romantic one from what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, was maybe that the case? And if so, was this really a cathartic experience for you? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the record in general is about relationships, and some of those relationships are, uh, you know, can definitely be read as a romantic relationship. Others are more like a relationship with yourself. Um, you know, for example, talk to a talk to a friend, or um, uh, like I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> definitely definitely a lot of stuff uh, for me to personally kind of work through, and felt super. Uh, cathartic to um, do that. You know, I, I had, I had a lot to say. I'd had a lot on my mind for a while and I was, um, I was feeling fortunate uh, making the record that, um, that I was doing at that time because you know how things are like um, you do kind of move on in life. And um, I'm sure there were things that really upset me uh, when I was in grade school or something that uh, if I tried to write a real sincere song about now, I, I just would probably laugh about it, you know? So um, you, you do, you, you do move on in your life. So I, I, I guess from a, from an artist standpoint, which can be sort of, uh, masochistic at times in terms of, uh, being like, well, at least I'll get a song out of this. Right. It, it was, it was sort of realizing that, um, uh, I had a, I had a window where I was still really feeling all these things and processing. And, um, I was, uh, I was, it's that, that's at least the silver lining for me. And I think it, and I think it did help me, um, uh, feel better about some things in my life for sure. But I, I, it was, it was, it was surprising to me that I, that I had so much to say and, and, and that, um, that I guess it, that it worked in this kind of new style of music for me, at least. So, you know, I got to say upon first listening and then subsequently me just going back to this track over and over and over again, footprints, I mean, Mm. shit, I don't know how that hasn't been released at this point, or if mm. it has, I just didn't see it anywhere. Yeah, but, yeah, it hasn't been. Man, that is that has like crossover potential written all over it. Like I even as I was listening to it and kind of taking it all in in the headphones, I'm, I was listening to it in. I could even hear it if you slightly modified it for a radio edit. Could hear it on like country radio with those almost kind of pedal steel sounding swells that are in it. Hmm. And you know, just kind of given the diverse nature of that compared to almost anything else on the record, how did that song kind of come about? And do you have any? fun stories or anything to kind of talk about that one because i think that's going to be one that a lot of people are going to be like holy shit this is really good cool man yeah i mean so that one that one started that was a that was an idea that uh wes had 
he's um he's really great at coming up with these intricate finger finger picking acoustic songs and um again you know sort of uh, a precedent from past records that they've done which is great and it was it's great for me because that's very much my wheelhouse of just like just sing super pretty over some you know melancholy love song i'm like oh great you know like so um really glad that the band um you know gives me a platform to do something like that that i'm really comfortable uh and uh and even though yeah even though i have other records that kind of do that it's like i I want i want the i want the fans of the band as as well to get that and like you said to do do some of that crossover but um that 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 was just something that he was jamming on and and and, uh uh just was kind of singing some melodies and i got some kind of that um footprints in the snow kind of you left your mark i mean it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna run away and try to work out this lyric and um it took a it took a minute but we got there um so no 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 real kind of fun story just a really nice uh just a really nice uh guitar part by Wes and and uh was lucky to hit a, hit upon some some lyrics for that I kind of I kind of picture that song being like you know there's only a there's only a couple songs on the record that are, are, are a bit more like uh positive what's up what's up bro oh, okay no I, I almost was gonna say if you were thinking like a mid tempo we kind of song since everything's kind of a little bit faster but totally no, yeah you're kind of right on that one yeah I like. <laughs> I like. I wanted it to kind of be like. I guess like from my perspective, it's sort of like, uh, um, you know, uh, alluding to sort of some some kind of a death, whether it's like an actual death or like a metaphorical death, I guess. And it's a uh, uh, just you know, like a like a body being covered up by the snow or something, you know, um, sort of and and kind of very overly like romantic and and mellow melodramatic and it's sort of that moment of like hey it hasn't been a good run but i still really care about you and this is kind of like a i don't know i'm just picturing like a, like a uh, tra- lost on the iceberg type titanic moment I'd like just put that song in a movie and people are like oh no um but yeah there's there's that one and then there's um uh cursed i i, I wanted it to be a song about um we're really kind of in this together. Like life is, is, is really kind of, um, beating us both up, you know? So, so I, I wanted to kind of offer that pers- that perspective, but, um, besides those and the interlude, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a bit more, uh, aggressive, I guess. Yeah. I totally saw, you know, one of my, uh, a band that I think does a really good job of doing this, uh, that's, now kind of defunct or maybe coming back i guess is the mm-hmm. color morale mm-hmm. and you know they like garrett and them would a lot of times bring out an acoustic get out in the middle of the crowd and kind of do a couple songs and i was like man this is this would be a great opportunity for like that moment for you guys where you yeah. kind of get in the middle of a crowd bring an acoustic guitar kind of have everyone be quiet you know maybe even sit on the floor if that's uh something they want to do but yeah you know, it was just i i saw a lot of potential for this song in a live set in a you know commercial radio sense as far as you know where it could go and you know even sync opportunities potentially if uh, that's you know still a thing <laughs> yeah. in some instances but it's just the the potential for that song i just felt like is massive and the fact that you guys haven't even put it out i was like wow like people i think are going to be you know saving some of the best uh, best elements for last and just really kind of catching people off guard cuz like i said i the way the record was going that's not what i was expecting oh cool um, thanks man so i mean the fact that it's almost like a palate cleanser in the middle of the record i think and then leading into cursed i think you know works as a really great one two punch yeah Thanks, a certain vibe. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, we're 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 hyped with the flow of the album. I think makes sense. It it, it starts to get a bit poppier towards the towards the back half. Which <laughs> is yeah, a little bit fine. Yeah, fine by me. I'm down. I'm down with all of it. 
So, you know, we've, we've kind of been talking about the lyrical themes on the record and, and even the title of the record, I couldn't help but kind of smirk at when I saw it, you know, to better days. I feel like, you know, you, if you kind of listen to the lyrics throughout, it, it makes sense, but you know, me being me, I'm kind of wondering if it's not sort of a, if people themselves, like other fans themselves aren't going to come to the same illusions that I did where maybe you're making a pseudo tongue in cheek reference to kind of what the band's been through leading up to the release of this record and, and kind of saying like, hey, you know, here we are finally at the end of a lot of this shit and to better days. Yeah. Almost like a toast kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I, th- I think it should definitely be taken as a toast and it's, um, you know, it can be, it can be in reference to the future. Absolutely. It can be maybe for some people in reference to um, a sense of nostalgia or, or how things in their life used to be simpler and preferable um, to the current state of the world. Um, I think most people will take it leaning towards the future. That's, that's how we're interpreting it, but it's up for, it's up for grabs. And yeah, I mean, you know that that like rain cloud that's hanging over the band's head. I feel like it's just uh, it hasn't been an easy road. It's always something, and I think that's <laughs> we're we're just kind of we're anticipating it, you know. And we, it's just it is it is what it is, and it's uh, we're just going to keep you know trying to rise to the challenge. And and um, you know if it was easy, everybody would do it, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's it's 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 definitely sh- you know can be should be taken uh, as a sort of a metaphor for the band itself and like how we got to where we are so it was always it's kind of interesting because I, I was wondering if there were any other potential working titles and before you landed on that one hmm, interesting uh, i don't think so i think i think that was kind of a favor early on um and it's you know it's taken from the from the lyric from uh heavier uh so yeah i, I think that's a, that's a that's the that's the thing that I've always kind of liked to do with uh, in my solo stuff is, is just grab a grab a word or a phrase from a particular song. I always I always find it kind of confusing when people name um, an album after a song on the album because you have to be like, wait, the song or the album? And it just I don't know. I just kind of don't like that. <laughs> so, uh, but it's a good way to kind of ha- tie it in. And you know, unless there's something that just makes sense and and you're like, oh yeah, this this ties a bow on the whole thing, and yet we didn't say it and it wasn't in one of the songs but that 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 experience hasn't happened to me yet so for now i'm just going to keep uh borrowing from uh lyrics <laughs> so it's just always interesting because sometimes you'll see people you know like you were saying it's a self-titled song so you're a self-titled record mm-hmm. based on based on a song and then it almost puts like a weird stressor on the song where you're like i don't really know how this applies to the rest of the record true but then sometimes adversely you know sometimes you'll see people where it's like you know the concept of the record, you know, I think it should be called to better days. I've been, I think it's a cool title, so on and so forth. Right. And then almost maybe subconsciously the lyrics and a, a pseudo theme starts kind of forming around when you have a title preemptively. Right. So it's always kind of interesting to kind of see what comes and how it, you know, what comes before and how it maybe steers the rest of the project in any way, shape or form. Definitely. Yeah, I get that. Uh, kind of a last question just because, and it's kind of very vague, so I apologize, but I've no not problem. had the opportunity to talk about this with someone who actually has gone through it. And I think, you know where I'm going to go, Okay. but the thing with the voice. So something I actually was pitched a while ago, uh, someone that was going to be on an upcoming season of the voice. And, you know, that's when it kind of confirmed my thoughts of a lot of smaller labels, maybe putting, artist developmental people in this program to where it makes the consumer, because that's really what that would turn into, feel like they were a part of 
an artist's rise. Like, oh my god, I was there from the moment I saw them at the open auditions thing or whatever, and I knew I loved them. <clears throat> and it makes them feel like there's an ownership with the fan base. And it's basically like cheating the experience of going and finding a local band or seeing the first of four on a package tour and feeling like you're growing when, when you found that band or that artist. And so as such, I wanted to kind of note, did you see a lot of that in your experience of doing that, uh, going through The Voice? Did you notice that there were a lot of maybe pre-hand-picked people that were kind of getting through? You're saying from, like, a label standpoint? Yeah, yeah, that basically labels will shop that show. They're, they're artists who aren't known, but they're still technically signed on, an, on a developmental deal. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, 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 haven't, I haven't heard anything of that. I mean, to me, that would be really, um, uh, would kind of clash with the whole thing of Republic Records being, a, like, integrated part of the show. So basically, like, if, you know, if you win, you get a record deal with Republic. If they like you, you get a record deal with, with Republic. So, um, that doesn't really make any sense to me just in my own personal experience. I mean that, you know, I, I, I did really well on the show. So I was, I was, uh, I was roped into a contract with them. You know, I, I like didn't even have the option to sign with anybody else. So, um, yeah, I don't, do you feel that that was detrimental at all? I mean, kind of speaking to that, like the fact that maybe that label isn't the best fit for you potentially that you could have gone somewhere else and maybe had a better shot at a solo career right out the gate. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think the, for me, I don't have any issue, any issues with the show. I think that, um, the, the label that they have involved, uh, Republic just, just doesn't, it just doesn't really care that much from my experience in terms of, um, looking at the talent that is brought to them every season. I mean, it's hard because there's two seasons a year and there's a lot of people, but I would say at least once a year, there's, you know, some, somebody that, 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 you know, they, they could see as a really great viable talent. And it's hard because that's supposed to be the promise of the show is that if you win, you get um, a record deal. And a lot of times they just say, nah, and they just don't, don't even track anything with anybody. But again, you know, uh, that would be the label that you'd be um, going with. So um, I think for me, it was, it was, a <clears throat> it was a matter of like, look, do I, do I try, do I try out for this thing and take a chance? Um, or do I just, you know, stay in Philly and play shows around, uh, for free and just never do anything in music? Um, cause I was, I mean, I was, I had been trying to do it myself, like the old, the old, the old fashioned way, so to speak. And I'd, again, I'd played almost every venue in Philly all the, the whole time I was in college. And I just recently graduated. And, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that I would have ever got anything going on my own, you know? So, for me, it really was a really great platform beyond just being a great edu educational uh, experience of, of really learning a lot and um, making a lot of really great friends. You know, like you got you to gotta think about like the voice casting does all this work and, and, and puts all these people together. It's like it'd be so easy to form a band or something like that from that, even if you don't make it on the show, you know. So um, for me, dude, really positive experience. I mean, you know. I, yeah, I was on the label. That wasn't, that wasn't great. I was only on there for like 10, for 10 months. I got to put out a song with them. Um, I got to tour with Maroon 5 and Plain White Tees and American Officers. And it was, it was cool, man. And like, it, the, the only thing that's weird about being on the show is that, um, yeah, it, it gives, you know, like certain, certain, certain bands have maybe, um, they have a lot of success amongst their fan base, amongst people who know them, but they don't have that much fame. Or maybe certain bands like have a lot of radio play, but then like they don't they don't really sell a lot of tickets. Or maybe bands that sell a lot of tickets are never on the radio, or whatever. And so the kind of the winning form the winning formula you would hope would be like um, everybody knows like a, like let's say like a Post Malone or something. It's like everybody knows who he is. 
He sells tickets. He's on the radio. He's got high socials, you know, like all this kind of stuff. So to go on the voice, it's like you haven't actually moved the needle at all in your music career because um, you've just been on the show, but now you're like famous to the point that you get stopped everywhere you go in the country, you know? Um, so it's, it's like a, it's like a weird, it's like, there's this, there's this one part of your uh, journey. That's like the fame is maxed out. And then it's like, but you haven't really done anything yet. And cause the whole, the whole point of the show is for a promise to do something. Now, luckily for me, I had had a, a solo EP that I put out right before the show that, um, you know, I sold a lot of records. I sold a lot of solo records, just, just uh and you know get to keep all the cash and it was great you know um just just from the exposure i got on the show and 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 also got a lot of fans of of my actual singer songwriter music so again i'd done that before the show uh would any of those people have ever heard my stuff if i didn't do the show maybe not i don't know so uh for me i don't have any regrets about it and probably even like even linking up with the band um you know they they looked me up and the first thing they saw was a video of me performing on the voice and they heard like 10 seconds they're like okay call him you know so <laughs> i don't i don't i don't personally have any complaints about it man yeah no it's funny like when people ask like how why i watch a show and this is such a stupid thing but uh nate the drummer nate morton that dude just rips and oh yeah I yeah watching him on uh the making the band like in excess and shit like that like mm-hmm. decades ago, or a decade or so ago and falling in love with his his uh style and shit so when i saw he was like the house part of the house band i was like oh man i need to watch this because yeah man that dude rips dude the whole the whole band is killing for sure and talk about a grueling schedule they have to so there's like over a hundred people that go in for the blind so not you know only like 12 person people a team or whatever like fills up but there's there's usually usually over 100 per season and um so they have to learn and record all those songs like in a couple days or something it's crazy yeah i could put them right up there with the roots as far as what they have to learn absolutely yeah for sure wild well this this was a lot of fun thank you so much for taking the time i know you got to jet and go do another one but uh looking forward to everyone hearing this record where can everyone find you or the band online uh, it's Slaves Official online. Um, myself is Matt McAndrew Music, or just Matt McAndrew. Uh, should be pretty easy. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, buddy. I'll catch you. So that was my conversation with Matt McAndrew of Slaves. Again, their latest record, Two Better Days, is out next Friday, as of when you're hearing this, August 7th. Uh, pre-orders are still live over at slaves.merchnow.com if you would like to pre-order the record still. They have vinyl, they have a bunch of merch bundle options, so go pick this record up. It's actually really good. Um, wasn't entirely sure what I was going to get when we got the link to this and, and was pleasantly surprised at how well and cohesive it was. I think a lot of longtime fans of the band are going to enjoy this record, and I think maybe they're going to get some new people on board as well. Um, so lots to look forward to. And, you know, I kind of feel like the uh, the album title is a little tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little much. It's fine. <laughs> you know something that I actually brought up in this interview, and I don't know if I just didn't articulate it very well or whatever, but has since become a pretty big plot point for the band right now, is, you know, I had asked, like, was there a potential to change the name given the fact of, you know, just trying to distance from what the band was and some of the problems from uh, Johnny being in the band and so forth. And he was like, no, you know, uh, we, no. And then, you know, literally, literally the day after I did this interview, there goes the press release that slaves are going to change their name to what I don't know. Um, but it was it's probably a good call. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely understand why, but, um, it is one of those where it's like, I wonder if 
he knew or it was just like oh i'm not necessarily gonna like say yes and then you know kind of ruin potentially the uh the press release coming the following day but it was just so weird like literally the day after i did this interview here comes this news that they're changing their band name and i was like what the fuck man i asked you that question yeah right <laughs> yeah that, that can be a little frustrating with the with the time like the time lapse but yeah it's uh, kind of frustrating it was also kind of it was fun talking about the voice i don't know if dan watches that show at all probably not um but it was it's a long suspicion i've had that they it's not exactly as it seems from what you see on tv i feel like there's kind of some behind the scenes stuff that makes it a little uh less on the you know up front with how it, it, it it's done so i don't even know if i told you this that like we had been shopped someone that was gonna be on the voice preemptively before the sh- show even came out and i was like all right sure but like it that really furthered my thoughts that they were picking like unsigned developmental like artist kind of deals and kind of putting them into the contest knowing that they were going to get at least on the show maybe not win but um i don't know I, I i still feel like there's a lot of potential things that aren't as they seem on on shows like that like i i i feel like maybe because like sometimes watching the voice like you'll see someone that's just got a phenomenal voice and then no one turns around and you're like what the fuck yeah th- there's some kind of like pre-screening or something going on with that where they just i think i mean because it's television i think a lot of the time they'll just like when they're screening people the people that are the most interesting and the most outward um are the ones that kind of get it so like maybe you have a great voice but maybe maybe you're just not that interesting of a person which sounds really harsh saying that out loud like that um but I mean that that's also why like you'll be tearing your hair out wondering why uh, why somebody is like not a great singer but like still on the show. Well, that's like the one that pissed me off and really started making me second guess the validity of what's presented as as the show was when Cassidy Pope ended up on it because if you remember her at all, she was in a band called Hey Monday and they were on Fuel by Ramen. They like did Warp tours, yeah. like they were. For their time and what they were a part of, they were kind of a big deal. Like, they never were, like, the big, big band, but, like, they were a decent enough band that had a pretty good following. So when she ended up on the show and then kind of went more a country route and then ended up winning with Blake and having a country career now, it's like, why... It sounds shitty to be like, why do you deserve a second chance over somebody else who hasn't even had that opportunity? But it was weird seeing that happen, and I was like, that seems a little put on. But then, what was that kid's name? Billy Gilman or whatever? Yeah. Was on and didn't even make it that far. And I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe that disproves my theory. <laughs> that, that that kid had a hit single, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> way bigger than Cassidy Pope ever did. Right, it's just, yeah, it's weird. And it, it seems to me like they tend to gravitate towards people that are just total train wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> because that's entertaining. Like That's what the people want. I remember when the dude went on that did the Cupid Shuffle, and he sang his own song, and they were like, they turned around. They're like, "Wait, it's you! This is your song. Why did you? Why didn't you do something else that showcased your range?" And he was just like, "I don't know." <laughs> it's so weird. This is the song that people liked. I, I don't know. Get off it. Yeah. Uh, all that aside, though, this is a fun, quick little chat with Matt. Um, again, the record is still up for pre-order right now. Slaves.merchnow.com. Pre-order to better days. They have a bunch of merch bundles. Go support these guys, uh, especially right now because they can't. Uh, 
go out and tour. And that's a real bummer way to uh, put out a record when you can't really support it. Um, and if you would like to keep up with all things Slaves, simple enough. Facebook at Official Slaves, Instagram, and Twitter at Slaves Official for the time being until they uh, have new socials. And uh, if you would like to keep up with Matt, you can find him on Instagram at Matt McAndrew Music and on Twitter at Matt McAndrew. And uh, Dan will tell you where he can be found, uh, potentially until he changes his name. Oh, yeah, um, probably not. Dan's pretty safe, I, th- I think, for now, until some dude named Dan does something horrible. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I can be found on... <laughs> I can be found on Discography Discussion. That's hilarious. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> you found me. <clears throat> You're like a shitty Waldo. <laughs> Absolutely. Where am I at? Where am I at? Yeah, front and center. Uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel... Terry, you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion and Discuss Metal at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough at BrewSpeakPod.com. Uh, if you would like to follow our socials, BrewSpeakPod.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out our YouTube channel. We have a bunch of videos. Uh, if you haven't already, go back. Check out that interview we did with Jesse Leach from last week. And uh, some of our Instagram lives, uh, we're putting them over there. We're dropping them into the feed. So if you would like to check them out visually, you can do such over there. Uh, if you'd just like to listen to them, they're going to be popping up in the feed. So check them out. And uh, for the nomads.org, we talked about it last week. Still going. Round four. A lot of cool shit. Um, it's not up currently as of when we're talking. So I'm not necessarily going to say who uh, is in it. Uh, but just know that uh, I'm sure I'll be sharing a lot of the people that I've been getting. Uh, reaching out to to be a part of this um go over to furthernomads.org donate if you can bid on anything that is of interest to you all the money goes back to people who are out of work right now because they can't tour and it's just for a great cause has raised over a hundred thousand dollars in a little over four months and couldn't be prouder of uh, my friends for doing something when no one else would a lot of people would just be like oh fuck i'm out of a job or woe is me and uh frank and tater basically picked themselves up by their fucking bootstraps and did something for everybody else uh when no one else was willing to so major props to them as well as major props to our sponsors starting with rockabilia.com head on over to rockabilia.com they have over five hundred thousand items in their online store all officially licensed through the bands and so forth so not only when you buy a shirt are you supporting rockabilia but you're supporting the bands as well And we can also support you financially a little bit if you use our code BREW15 and get 15% off your total order. So it's a win-win-win all the way around. Uh, We love uh, saving you guys money. And another way we can save you money and make you look good in the process, On Point Palmade. Uh, Go to onpointpalmade.com, use the code BSP15 and get 15% off your total order. Keep your beard and hair looking on point. And uh, lastly but not leastly is The Bean Bastard. Uh, Head on over to TheBeanBastard.com and get you some delicious coffee. Those guys are supporting essential workers, and we want to support them for all that they do. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.